0: Thank you, Tony, for leading that song. I love that song. Uh, Jody has asked me to uh, fill in him, uh, fill in for him on a couple of occasions, and uh, Jody, uh, Tony has also asked me to fill in. Did I say Jody or Tony the first time? Jody has asked me to fill in for him. Tony has also asked me to fill in to lead singing, and I'm either uh, in Africa or I'm preaching somewhere else, and. Uh, just haven't had the opportunity, so I'm so uh, happy this morning that it has worked out that I have been able uh, to be here with you this morning. Um, Tony, this is a coat and a tie. This is <laughs> just saying. We, we were watching the show the other day, and um, this uh, young boy was in trouble, and he was having to go to court, and they, they put him in a coat and a tie, and he said, do I have to wear this? It's choking me. And the guy said, um, a man wears a tie when he wants to be taken seriously. And so I thought, I'm fr- I better put a tie on this morning. Maybe somebody will take me seriously. Um, our scripture reading this morning was uh, not the scripture reading that, that I had given. And um, I don't think Peyton read what was up there. So um, we're going to be in the book of Genesis this morning uh, Chapter 12, chapter 13. So turn your Bible there. We're going to spend some time. I want to talk to us about living by faith. Living by faith. Don, I so appreciate what you said this morning. I really do. Bringing our best to God. Had I known you were going to talk about that, I may have preached something differently this morning. But um, since uh, Don did not use the parumpumpumpums, Nobody goes home today and says that we use drums in church, okay? <laughs> Didn't happen. Did not happen. Uh, as you know, I go back and forth uh, to Ghana. Now we're also working in in Togo, and uh, the work is going extremely well. God is blessing it. Um, uh, he is blessing it beyond our wildest imagination, and that brings forth some challenges. Some might say problems, but... Uh, Uh, When you're growing as rapidly as the church is growing there, there are some unique challenges. I want to just say thank you to the uh, elders uh, here at Pine Tree for your kindness, your graciousness uh, in helping us out. Um, Not just the normal help, but in addition to that, uh, from time to time throughout the year, uh, there will be a special gift and an offering uh, that allows us to do things that we wouldn't be able to do were it not for your love and your kindness. So I want to say thank you. I also want to brag on one of our shepherds, uh, Leonard Riley. Um, uh, Leonard, we, we just got back, uh, what was it, four or five weeks ago in, in February. It seems like a lot longer than that. So much has happened. But um, we always go and do our own things when we're there. Uh, they send us to all these different villages, so very rarely do we ever get to work uh, together. But uh, we were together on a Sunday, a big... Um, church camp in uh, in togo and so doc i think he he did the bible class and then i delivered uh, the sermon with a a brief gospel presentation and then i said at the at the end of this i want everybody who's not yet obeyed the gospel who's not been baptized i want them to to meet us in the back and we're going to have a little study and so we got back there and uh, leonard uh, did the study and uh, it was—it's just so exciting to see um, a shepherd, a man of God, uh, just get so excited about pres- presenting the gospel. Uh, he 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 scoots to the edge of his chair and he starts getting excited and worked up. Can anybody see Leonard getting a little bit excited? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And so he gets excited and he he uh, he just presents the gospel. And I'm just sitting there looking at him like, yeah, this is awesome. I just love seeing his energy and his passion. And um, I think we had like 17 baptisms uh, that Sunday, and um, I, I just wanted—I just wanted to brag on Leonard uh, to you because his love uh, for God, his love for the lost, uh, is so—it runs so deep. His love for you, his love for this church, uh, is uh, is just fun to see. And so um, I just wanted to—I wanted to say that, brother, I love you, and um, I hope—I hope that I said that the way that you wrote it out. So, yeah, I left off the part about having good hair and being good looking. I didn't think that was appropriate this morning for church. Let me get my other my other glasses out here. I gotta I gotta go back and forth if I'm gonna read anything this morning. Um, I take it very seriously when I get to stand up in front of somebody and and uh, present the word of God. So I wanna. Read from the Word this morning. Get, I think, situated here. Genesis chapter 13. When, when we're in Ghana, when we're in Togo, it seems like every, everything we do is just walking by faith. I mean, you're there for a purpose. You're there to present the gospel. But you have no idea where you're going. Each day you get up. They take you to some village that you've never seen. You're meeting people that you don't know. Uh, we're working with guys that you're just trusting that God uh, is putting the words from your mouth into their language, and, and he's putting it into their language so that people are hearing and understanding. There's a lot of faith that it takes to, to go and to, and, and to do that. And it seems like every day is just a walk by faith. Uh, you may have plans, but those plans may change. You don't know uh, how God is going To use you that day or or how things are going to turn out. It's just in his hands. And that's what I wanted to share with us this morning a little bit about living by faith. What does it look like to walk by faith? Genesis chapter 13, the word of the Lord says this So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him. Lot is his nephew. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Parasites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we... Our brothers, our, or close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot... Chose for himself. So Lot chose for himself. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Let's bow and let's pray. Our God and our Father, we love you. Father, would you add your blessing to the reading of your word this morning? And Father, may your Holy Spirit uh, come into our hearts and into our minds, and may we have open hearts and minds so that we truly, truly will be taught by you this morning. Father, this is our prayer in the precious and strong name of Jesus. Amen. Abraham, in this story, Abraham is the picture of a man who is living by faith. Lot, in the story, is a man who is living by by sight. He is guided by the things that he sees. He's looking with his physical eyes, not with the eyes of the soul, not with the eyes of Of his heart. He saw that the land looked good. But little did he know what lie ahead of him by making that choice. Now Abraham had answered the call of God. We see back in in chapter 12, back when he was living in Mesopotamia, God had called him, and Abram had answered the call of God, but he didn't know where he was going. He had no clue where he was going. God told him to pick up his tents, to take all that he had, and he said, I'm going to. Take you to a place that I will show you. But Abram did not know where he was going. The only thing he did know was that God was going with him. Now, we know back from uh, the book of Joshua that uh, it says that Abram's father, Terah, was, was a polytheist. He worshiped multiple gods, many gods. And you had to know that that Abram was raised up in that household that, that he, too, was was a was an idol worshiper. He worshipped more than one God. But now, this God, Yahweh, the only true and living God, speaks to him and he says, I want you to pick up everything you have and I'm going to take you to a new place. And Abram believed God. Isn't that what the Bible says? Abram trusted God. I wonder why he never followed his other gods like that? Why he never went where they said to go? Could it possibly be that his false gods had never spoken to him before because they were no gods at all? So now when he hears the voice of the true and living God, it says Abram believed God. And the Bible says because of that belief, it was credited to him as righteousness. So God is blessing Abram. Look what it says. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. So God is blessing him. It seems like abundant blessings are coming. And it also seems that Lot is being blessed. It's almost as if Abram's cup is just so full it's just pouring over. And, and Lot is you know, kind of getting the overflow from all of that. He too is being blessed. But those blessings kind of became a problem. The blessings were getting to be too much. It said the land couldn't hold them. There began to be some quarreling. Did you know that sometimes blessings in life can actually cause problems? Did you know that? Most of the time we think of blessings when God is blessing us. We think about Physical things, don't we? We think about money, we think about homes, a better job, a better car, and that seems to be the telltale sign that God is blessing us because we have more stuff, right? Isn't that the way our culture works? How many times have you said to someone, Man, I I really like that nice truck you got? Oh, well, God's just blessing me. We equate those things. I've got a friend of mine who lives in the panhandle of Texas. And uh, he's, a, he's a rancher out there, and he is so bought into this idea of, of health and wealth that if you are a man of God, that God is going to bless you. You're going to always be healthy and always be wealthy. And if you are not prospering, then something is wrong. Something's wrong in your life, or, or you're not being the man of God that he wants you to be. He struggles a lot. I mean, he, he's up and down. He's up and down because his, his truck breaks down. He has a calf that dies, and he just says, oh, God is not blessing me. What's wrong? What is wrong? He's constantly living in this state of flux. But we see this, especially in the Old Testament, that that was often the way that God was blessing his people. And I think he had a purpose in that. I think he had a purpose in that to keep his people alive in, in, in order to bring forth the, the Messiah. But Lot and, his, and Abram's men began to quarrel. Um, My my older son and his wife are um, expecting a baby in about a month. That means that I'm expecting another grandbaby in a month. The due date is uh, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, right? So we're all hoping it comes on May the 4th. She's hoping it comes a little early. Amber, do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. So he told me the other day, he said, "Dad, uh, Leslie and I just had to go get lunch by ourselves, got a babysitter, and um, started talking about, what, how, how are we going to afford another baby? How are we going to afford daycare for a second child?" But both of them are, are school teachers. And as you know, school teachers, the ceiling is really low on your, your, the earning grid, right? So they're just so worried and they're stressed out. How are we going to afford this? And I said, son, you know this is a blessing. God is going to give you all that you need. And he says, I know, Dad, but but it's going to be tight. It's going to be tough. Sometimes blessings, even good blessings, can bring about problems. The Bible says that the land could not hold them both. They had to separate. But notice that the man of faith, he doesn't want to quarrel. He doesn't want there to be any quarreling. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That's what what Abram was. He was a peacemaker. Abraham said to Lot, he said, Lot, you choose. He said, if you want to go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you want to take all the land to the right, I'll go to the left. It doesn't matter. He says, you choose. And what does the Bible say that Lot did? Oh, he looked out. And he saw all of this land that was so well-watered, it looked like the, the garden of the Lord, like the land in Egypt. He saw for himself. He was looking through physical eyes. Did Lot stop and, and pray and say, oh God, Father Abraham, who's going to have many sons, Father Abraham"? has asked me to choose, which choice should I make? Guide me, give me wisdom. Is that what he did? Is that what your Bible says? No, my Bible says that Abraham said, you choose. And Lot looked around and said, oh, this is the best land right here. Who should have been making the choice? Abraham? The man of God, the man of faith. But he said, no, 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 you, you make the choice. And Lot was looking with his physical eyes. He made his choice by sight. The grass looks so much greener over here. Doesn't the grass always look greener somewhere else? But it cost him dearly. His choice cost him dearly. It cost his wife, her life. Think about what he exposed his children to day after day in those wicked cities. What kinds of things were they exposed to? Did they see living in those cities? Because they had pitched their tents so close to Sodom. Well, back to the man of faith. Look at verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he built an altar to the Lord. We see Abram calling on the name of the Lord. He's building an altar to the Lord. He's always giving honor and reverence to the name of the Lord because of what God is doing for him and in him. So I want to ask you the question this morning. What would your life look like if you lived every moment of that life in faith? What would your marriage look like if you walked by faith and not by sight? What would your life look like as you were raising your children if you always were walking by faith and not by sight? What kind of business dealings would you have you always walk by faith and not by sight. I haven't always gotten this right in my life, but there have been a few times when I felt like God was just really leading me by faith. And it's such an awesome, um, crazy, good, scary feeling when when you feel like you're just out of control and God is in control. Am, Am I right? You know, it's kind of like getting off a roller coaster ride that just scares the living daylights out of you. And once you catch your breath, you're like, Ooh, let's do that again, you know? What would your life look like if you walked by faith and not by sight? Let me tell you a story. When, When Paul and I were living in Oklahoma City years ago, We've been married for a little while, and um, we decided that we wanted to, to have a baby. And um, from about the time we started um, thinking about that and praying about it, about a year went by before um, she got pregnant with Haley. It wasn't for lack like of trying, but it, it just took about a year, you know, to, to, to have the baby. Sorry. That, that's the truth. Anyway, we're we're just family, right? I mean, we're just. So anyway, she gets pregnant, and she's teaching school. She was in her third or fourth year of teaching. She just got a job at at the high school there, Putnam City High, and um, found out she was pregnant. Haley was born in February, so by the time she took her maternity leave, she had about four or five weeks of school left, and the church was very gracious to me. I, I was able to keep Haley uh, at home and. And uh, tried, tried to, to work from home while keeping her. And then after lunch, I would take Haley to the school. And that was Paula's planning period. And she'd come out and get her and take her in. And I don't think we were supposed to do that, but that's what we did. And um, so we're rocking along. And as you know, teachers don't make a whole lot of money. At the time, I think she was making maybe twenty-eight, thirty thousand $30,000 a year. After Haley is born, some time goes by and Paula comes to me and she says, I think we need to increase our giving at church. You what? She said, I think we need to increase our giving at church. Now, mind you, uh, we have always, this is just a personal thing, but we've always tried to, to start our giving uh, with 10%. Uh, that's just always where we start, and then we try to go up from there. And so I remember calculating that we were giving somewhere around 15 or 16 percent of our gross. We we never quibble about that with God. 15 or 16 percent of our gross. And so now we have decreased our income by about 28 to 30 thousand dollars, but yet we're still giving the same amount at church. Okay. So if I understand the new math correctly our percentage has gone up even higher, right? You're still giving the same amount, but yet your money goes down, so that means your percentage has greatly increased. Am I right, Bob? Am I right? Okay. (laughs) So we're still giving what we were giving, and she comes to me and says, I think we need to increase our giving $25 a week. I said, baby, you don't understand how this works. The Bible says that you are to give as you have been prospered. We're not prospering. We're making less money. And you want us to increase our giving? She said, yes. I said, why? She said, I don't know. I just feel like God will bless us. I said, well, listen, we're going to try it for a few weeks. But if something happens, if things get tight, we're taking it back. <laughs> because we're already giving pretty good. She said, okay. So we began to give $25 more a week. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just admit to you, I had less faith than she had. But I was walking close to her, so I was getting the runoff. And so we began to give $25 more a week than what we had been already giving. So weeks turned into months, and guess what? We hadn't missed any meals. We were still paying our rent, still had money to buy gas for the vehicles. We weren't doing much extra, but we were making it, and we were happy. We were living in a red house, and our landlord lived right next door to us. It was a house that had belonged to his mom and dad. His dad was, had long been been dead and his mom was was 102 years old living in a nursing home the house was sitting there empty his sister had gone to church with us that's how we got to to meet them I went and I said would you rent us the house oh no 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 that was my parents house we're we we do not want to rent it out or anything and I said please just consider it long story short they did they rented it to us and after Haley was born oh my goodness they loved her some little baby Haley they, they had one son who was killed in a car wreck, so they had no other children, no grandchildren, and Haley became their, their baby. When Haley got big enough to walk, she would just open the sliding glass door, and you could hear her little diaper, swish, swish, swish. She'd just, she'd just walk next door and go in and see uh, Jim and Alberta. I'd I'd ask Paula, where's Haley? I don't know. We'd look out there, and there'd be a little gap in the, in the door, and we'd know she was next door. Well, one day, Jim saw me out in the yard, I think I was mowing the grass, and he said, he said, Rodney, we need to have a business meeting. I said, okay. We'll do that. So I went in and told Paula, I said, Jim wants to have a business meeting with us. She said, what about? I said, I don't know. They had just put a new roof on our house because been, there was a leak in the house. They just put some new shingles, new everything, new roof. I said, I think he's going to raise our rent. We were only paying $500 a month. I said, they they could get $750, $800 easily for this house. So I think they're going to raise our rent because they just had to spend some money on the roof. So three or four days rock along, maybe a week. Jim, I come home from work, and I get out, and he sees me and says, Hey, we need to have that business meeting. Okay. (laughs) So... I told Paul. I said, "Let's just let's just do it. Let's just get it over with. This is the worst possible time for them to raise our rent. But if that's what happens, so be it." So we uh, we took Haley and we went next door. I said, "You want to hold Haley?" <laughs> so anyway, we had this business meeting, and he has two printouts. He he's just uh, so everything. He just you know everything is just cut dried. He, He's got a box for everything. Neat, neat man. He said, this is all the money that you have paid in rent since you've lived here. And on this sheet, this is all the money we've had to spend on the house since you've lived here. And as you can see, all the money you've paid in rent is more than we've had to spend on the house since you've lived here. And we have never, we never entered into this trying to make any money. The house has been paid for for years. And so if it's okay with you, we want to go down on your rent $100 a month. So I I reached down on the floor and I picked my jaw up. (laughs) I said, you want to go down $100 a month on our rent? He said, if that's okay with you. I said, let me have a little meeting with myself. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) It's okay with us. Who does that? Who goes down on somebody's rent? When you walk by faith, not by sight, God does something in your life. I will not stand up here this morning and promise you that if you walk by faith that God will bless you financially. I I can't make that promise. And God doesn't make that promise. But I will promise you that if you walk by faith and not by sight, God will do amazing things in your life. Romans chapter 4. got to finish up here there are so many passages so many stories so many things we could look at as it relates to faith romans chapter 4 beginning in verse 1 what then shall we say that abraham our forefather discovered in the matter if in fact abraham was justified by works he had something to boast about but not before god What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. What was credited as righteousness? What was it that God saw in Abraham and said, righteousness? I'm going to credit to your account righteousness. What was it? What was it? belief. He had faith in what God told him. He believed that the one who made the promise was faithful to keep it. And so he believed God, he trusted God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now go to Hebrews chapter 11. This is called the hall of of faith by By a lot of folks. Hebrews chapter 11 is so rich. But we'll finish up with this. Beginning of verse 8. By faith Abraham when called to go to a place. He would later receive as an inheritance. Obeyed. And went. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob. Who were heirs with him of the same promise. Look at this. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He could see something with the eyes of his soul, with the eyes of his spirit, that he could not see physically. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to, to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All of these people were still living in faith When they died, this is important. Look at this. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Wouldn't most people today say, wow, what a gyp. (laughs) These people were promised something, and yet God didn't deliver on it. All they did was see it from afar. They never actually got to experience it. Man, they got gypped. But notice, they admitted that they were aliens. They were strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God is not ashamed to be called their God because they have faith, because they believe, because they trust in the one who made the promise that even though we couldn't see it, even though we just welcomed it from afar, they did not waver in their faith. But the Bible says that When they died, they were all still living by faith. Paul quotes from Habakkuk chapter 2 and Romans chapter 1 when he says, The righteous shall live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. All too often in our lives, in my life, I want to see how it's going to work out. I I want to see the end before the beginning. I want to know how this is going to turn out. If it's not going to turn out very well, then I just don't want to do it at all, right? But where's the faith in that? Where's the faith in that? Luke chapter 18, Jesus is is speaking and telling some stories, as he often did. And he says, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find That's what Jesus is looking for. I think I grew up most of my life thinking that Jesus was looking for the right people in the right building, worshiping exactly the right way, not playing the drum. I used to think that that's what Jesus was looking for. My grandmother used to tell me, I was always invited to, to come to church with other, other kids, but I was never allowed to go visit. Now, they could come to church with me, but I was never allowed to go visit one of their churches. I said something to my grandmother one time, and she says, oh, no, honey, you can't do that. I said, well, how come? Because they can come to my church, but I can't go to theirs. And she said, well, if Jesus came and you were in that other church, he wouldn't know where to find you. I think it's very important how we worship. I think it's very important that we spend much time in the Word and try to do things as best we can, as pleasing to God as we can. But Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Where is your faith this morning? Are you trusting in chariots and in horses, gold or silver? Or is your faith in the only true and living God because you believe that he who made the promise is faithful to keep the promise? What would your life look like if every decision you made were not by sight but by faith? Maybe there are some this morning that have never actually taken that step of faith. You've never actually stepped out and said, I need to be buried in baptism, to have my sins washed away, to be added to the church. You've never done that. Maybe you've been coming here every Sunday for years, but you've never stepped out in faith and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to make him the Lord of my life. Today would be the day to step out in faith and let us rejoice with you. There may be somebody here that's hurting this morning. Man, the trials of life. My, my wife, um, the last two weeks, has lost two uncles. We've made, she's made one trip, and I made one with her to the panhandle of Florida uh, to bury uh, two of her uncles in the past two weeks. We just got back early Saturday morning yesterday. One of her uncles was a missionary uh, in Brazil, 80 years old, weak, frail. He finally passed away. But Paul said, you know what? He was living by faith even when he died. His faith never wavered, even though his health had for many, many years. Are you living by faith? Do you need to walk by faith? If we can help you in any way, there will be elders up here at the front. There's always elders in the back if you need prayers. Maybe somebody has a praise this morning that just wants to stand up and say, let me tell you what God has done for me. Would that be okay? Let's do it while we stand. Let's sing. Come ye sinners, Sinners, poor poor and needy, bruised bruised and broken.